0: Thank you, Jesus. So he gave us a choice. And that's because he wants us to be partnership in our walk with him. So, so you and I, our part is to make a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether you're going to serve God, whether you're going to serve the gods that your fathers served beyond the flood. Just make a choice. So, it's interesting, you guys, because God kept his people 40 years in a wilderness away from all those temptations. I mean, you, that's like homeschool.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: 40 years, who messes with you? And the thing is, he, he, the old man died. God showed us what true ministry does. M- uh, Moses was perfect at true ministry. What true ministry did was followed God. Followed the the pillar of fire. Followed the cloud. But he knew God's ways. And the children of Israel knew his acts. They knew how God acted. Moses knew his ways. His ways smooth out what fear would do or doubt would do. Because knowing his ways, you're not suddenly in a muddle because things look a little bit difficult. (coughs) So Moses did exactly what God told him to do. He said, I want you to put together this little insignificant tabernacle. Gold don't impress me. Silver don't impress me. What impresses me is the skins. Amen. The skins impress me. Because you have a blue linen and it's a picture of righteousness, that bottom covering. And then you have the ram skin dyed red. Ram skin dyed red. Jesus died for us. So that little tabernacle had the righteousness of God as what you saw when you walked in it. You could see the righteousness of God. And you saw it in everybody, yeah? yeah? And above it was the ram skin dyed red, which was the success. And above that was the black goat's hair that was woven together into the curtains. Our old Adamic nature, God dealt with it. We didn't have to die to get rid of our old Adamic nature. They took the hair off of the goats and wove it. That's easy. Then that top covering was badger skin. Little skins. Little skins that everybody died to give their skin up. It's like, Your Majesty, you want my skin for your tabernacle? Sure. Here's my skin. Or they fought, kicked, and bit. I don't know. Yeah. So that was, that was the picture of the tabernacle. And the beauty of it was that it was made of surrender. It was made of surrender. Because everything that succeeds in our walk with God succeeds around surrender. You know, our sense of relationship works exactly the same way. Success in relationship revolves around surrender. So, it takes the Spirit of God to bring us to that place. Some of the best fights are solved not by a better argument, but by surrender. Or maybe just at my Maybe just me. But the precious thing is, that's what the, the tabernacle was all about. He said that was easily done, yeah? Did anybody think it would be impossible to put those uh, skins together? Did anybody think that it would be impossible to lay those boards out, run the, the rods through them, and then set them up? put them corner to corner, latch them together. Did it seem impossible? No. And then to put the the linen over it? And and they just took ropes and ran it through the holes. Pulled it up through another rope, through that, through another hole, and and a kid could put it together. But when he was finished, it was his design and it was what he wanted. That tabernacle that was his place of meeting because Emmanuel was there. God with us. And that's what Moses brought us. That perfect ministry brought us a personal relationship with God. And when Moses finished the tabernacle, the Bible said that a cloud covered it. God came down. And Moses couldn't enter in anymore. So the great thing about ministry is ministry can only do so much. But when God inhabits His people, you don't need the ministry anymore. That's like a preacher at a wedding. Thank you, John. It's not like you don't need the DJ at a wedding, I'm saying
1: it's like you don't need
0: you don't need the preacher at the wedding. After the wedding, what do you need him for? He's already signed the papers or maybe he signs them three weeks later when you try to get your marriage certificate. They go, You're not married and then you but preachers almost always will do it then. I did that on the wedding. I told the woman, I told the bride, she called me and she's so polite and so kind. I said, oops, we're going to have to have the whole wedding over.
1: <laughs> Her family
0: came from far and wide. So.
1: You
0: don't need a preacher after the wedding. So the church didn't understand the fivefold ministry. We We love the idea of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And that have we elevated the apostles today? They're they're like they're like archbishops. When I was a kid, nobody called yourself a prophet. Nobody called yourself a prophet. You called yourself an evangelist. You were what a Bible school could say you were ordained to be. And I got to tell you, even Bible schools are smart enough not to ordain apostles. They were smart enough not to make a prophet, because you could say he's a prophet, but I've got to tell you something, unless he sees something from God, unless he has something from a word that is from on high, you, you have made yourself a blunder. So they stayed away from it. But then one day men figured out, hey, you know what? Nobody knows what's going on in the kingdom. I might as well tell everybody I'm a prophet. I'll get bigger crowds. And man prophesied they have. We blew men down. Boy, well, that impressed people to no end. Then one day people start saying, well, I'm an apostle. So I'm I'm even more important than the prophet. An apostle is not more important than a prophet. An apostle is not more important than a teacher. I'm a teacher. Let me assure you, they are not more important than teachers. (laughs) (laughs) Their job is to keep truth in the body of Christ. They were supposed to judge everything everybody taught, including the apostle Paul. And that's what kept the church pure and clean. So we needed men that didn't care if everybody loved them or if everybody hated them.
1: Right.
0: What they cared about is, is this a truth? And they had a God who spoke to them and said, this is truth or this is not truth. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if God said this isn't truth, it didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter if your mom had it. Right. So they just said, no, that's not true. Paul took his own teaching that he got from a revelation knowledge in Christ Jesus. He took it back for the men in, in Jerusalem to judge. and he wasn't afraid of that and he did it so that you and I would understand what their job was It wasn't to be the the president of the church of the world it's not that at all, it's not to be more important than other men it was just to keep the truth Mm -hmm. and the thing is it takes a fortitude to tell the truth because you know what a whole lot of preachers want to keep their (laughs) own doctrines and their own kingdoms and their own world and truth is an intrusion that's why Bible schools teach you there's no such thing as absolute truth nobody has all truth Shame on the church. So Jesus said, I am all truth. And if you'll gather in my name, I'll be in your midst. And if he's in the midst, then we would have all truth. And he said, my sheep know my voice. And if we would listen to his voice, we'd have all truth. And we could stop our stupid arguments by going back to him and making him the authority. But you know, we've lost the voice because just like the Jews, we elevated men and we got our eyes on men and got them off God. And so you lost the voice. It would be one thing to lose a set of keys. It's another to lose God. And Israel lost God. They lost Him so bad when He came and talked to them, they didn't know He was talking to them. That's how bad they lost Him. So the Christian church is replicating that failure. You and I don't want to replicate the failure because we have a prayer closet and a God who talks. And because we see the things that are going on in the church, we know it is time for a people to hide away in Christ Jesus and to, and to stay on what's truth. Because what I want to do is hand to the next generation that that comes out of the mouth of God. I don't care what men say. I don't care whether they like me or not. What I want is the absolute truth. And God has the absolute truth for us. So,
1: Amen.
0: He knows the truth and He's in our midst. So you and I should know it. Alright. <clears throat> so, do we have any questions? I mean, it seems like I get lots of questions, and people will talk to me. They'll say, hey, can I talk to you? And, and it's about a question. And then after they talk to their question, I'm thinking, gee, that would have been great on Wednesday
1: night. Mm-hmm. So,
0: but sometimes we're embarrassed to ask questions because we think everybody else knows the answers. But truth is, probably nobody else knows the answers. Yet. <laughs> oh, my God knows the answers.
1: Let's see. Um, yeah, I've been seeing in churches that a uh, woman has became apostles. Yeah. So, uh, I, I want you to talk about it, please, because I don't understand very well. Because I know that there's there are some pastors that are women. Uh huh. And, uh,. But I, I don't know about apostles. Well. Um, I, we know that uh, in the Bible there were just men. Yeah. It used to be apostles. Sure. So, sure. but I, I want you to explain that for me, please, a little okay. bit more. Okay. So.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so we can go to the book of 1 Corinthians. And, uh. church is the bride is, is talked about constantly as the bride of Christ and uh, so the precious thing is that uh, she is in subjection to Christ and so God set the church in order so that it would operate like he created in the beginning. So Adam was formed and then Eve was made out of him. She was made for him. And uh so in First Corinthians eleven, Paul talks a lot about that, Karina. Because what we're doing is <coughs> it's just titles. Men are looking for titles. You know, you look at how people want a job in the Senate because then they could go down in history as a senator right, right. or a congressman, and and they they have a tough job. I'd have to say they have a tough job. But men run for office, and and what happens is they honestly want a name for themselves. There's something very powerful about having everybody in the world recognize you as as the leader of the free world or, or the leader of the, the communist bloc. Or Cuba. So Paul said in, in chapter eleven Be followers of me even as I am of Christ, and I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. That's that's how the church operates. Paul said, "You keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you." The church of Jesus Christ is undisciplined. It is undisciplined, and because it's undisciplined, people uh, use the excuses that nobody's perfect, and you know everybody fails, and we can't expect better. And the truth is that the Bible told us. That God set a standard and the standard was be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And you can't mess with that. How, how would you mess with that? Thank you very much. Thank you. How would you mess with be therefore perfect? Jesus, that's a commandment from Jesus. He wouldn't give us a commandment without setting it first in his power and authority. Am I right? So, He said that we should be perfect as our Father which is in heaven is perfect. That's, you guys said it an incredible statement. If He hadn't have made it, if men would have made it, we could have, we could have blown him out of the water. But Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5.48, be therefore perfect. So, you guys, the, the will of God is, is what He created Adam to be. Perfect. There's not, there's not a Father in the world that wants His Son... Bound by sin. Honestly, there's not a father on the planet. You guys, but what he he wants his child to live different than sin. When I was in the jail ministry, I never met a dad that said he was proud of what his son did that got him into prison. I never met a dad that said that. You guys, I never met a dad that, that was satisfied if his son was bound with drugs. Never did I meet a dad like that. And there probably are people that actually induce their children into drugs. I'm just telling you from my own personal experiences, I never met a dad that did do that. And and I'm not saying there aren't dads that do it. But But the human nature should want the success of a son. And God wanted the success of Adam, and He created him perfect, and they had perfect fellowship. And Satan came and brought Adam to a place that he chose his love of Eve over his love of God. And he disobeyed knowing he was disobedient. He knew he just disobeyed God. And he knew that the consequences were death. But he didn't know what death was. He had no fear of it. You could say, that day you'll surely die. It's like, well, but there's no fear of it because he had no sense of dying. God didn't create him to die. There was no death. So God created him perfect. Satan hated that. He hated it. Jesus came and lived on the earth, born of a woman. Should have had less chance of success than Adam, because Adam had no physical mother. He was made from dirt. And you know, dirt is
1: tough, resilient. Did you ever
0: try to wash it off your face?
1: So God made
0: him of dirt. And God's expectation was nothing for the dirt. His expectation for dirt was nothing. His expectation for the Spirit because He breathed in Him the Spirit of life and He became a living soul. And from that soul came a a fellowship divine and in that soul contained the, the conscience that was fed by God about right and wrong and moral attitudes. Adam didn't need the knowledge of the good and evil. He didn't need to be a judge of issues. Because he had a father, and as long as he was connected to the father, he didn't need to make up his own mind about judgment. Judgment that we've made has been made against God. It's what crucified Jesus on the cross. God's commandments, God's law, God's script, taken with the knowledge of good and evil, condemned Jesus as a sinner, and they crucified him on the cross. That's how dangerous the knowledge of your judgment and my judgment is about anybody, let alone ourselves. And that's why God told Adam, the day you eat it that, you'll surely die. And he meant it because when you start judging yourself, the very first thing Adam did was judge himself unworthy to be standing in the front of God. He was too filthy. He was too naked to stand in front of God. And he'd been standing there that way all along. But he didn't know it. So you and I are coming to this place that, that God is showing us that what His will for man was, was to live... Above sin. The Bible says sin doesn't have dominion over us. So what we have is an outside man and we have an inside man because you're born again in the Spirit. And the inside man is what God's counting on. Karina. Now, the inside man, interestingly enough, has to follow the patterns that God's established. So, I believe that God can use a woman in judgment of things that are righteous or not righteous, true or not true. But the titling and the self-entitlement bothers me. And it bothers me as much for a man as it does for a woman. But here in, in First Corinthians, Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. Verse 2 says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered dishonored his head. <coughs> so we talk about this a lot. The bride, the church is a woman. Obviously, Jesus said He was going to marry a bride. And He called her a she. said she'd be arrayed in white linen, which is the righteousness of the saints. John said he saw New Jerusalem come down out of heaven as a bride adored for her husband. The word her just kept coming into it. So it is a, a gender term. And he says this, Every man, verse 4, praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonored his head. And that's because his head is Christ. So if my head is Christ, if my head is Christ, and I have something over my head, I have something that's over my head, then I'm dishonoring my head because if it's a board of directors, if it's my mother's intuition, if it's somebody believing they should send me a letter that I should do particular things, if God sent me with a word and brought me to the church to do the things that He would have me to do, the head of man is Christ. Now, people say, well, we really we need men over men. And I, that was one of the things I ran into to all the time under the tent when I traveled under the gospel tent. People come and ask me, who are you under? And I tell them, what do you mean am I under? They said, well, who who watches over you? I said, God does. They said, no, I mean, on earth, surely you have, have accountability to men. You guys, it wasn't very long after that, because you know, I was traveling in the mid-70s up through the <coughs> mid-80s under that gospel tent, and it wasn't long after that that a lot of the Big name ministries in the United States ran into trouble and the people that they were under didn't keep them from one bit of trouble. Didn't keep them from one bit of sin. You guys, pastors all over this country are, are failing because the elders don't have a relationship that God ordained for an elder to have. An elder is supposed to be somebody mature enough to see the need. And if the pastor's having problems, he did not have to be told the pastor's got problems. He's praying for the pastor because the Spirit gives utterance to the things that are going on. So what God ordained was, here's the thing, I'm telling you that the head of the man is Christ. And you guys, if we don't have head, if our head is not Jesus Christ, you, you don't need a better head than Jesus Christ. Because if you think you can sneak out in the dark and do something and he ain't there, you're going to have to tell him, excuse me, Jesus, would you please look the other way? Because I want to sin and I feel dreadful when you watch with you everywhere you go if he really is that real if he's that real in your life he affects you that real so you know when somebody has Christ really in them because you guys people that play around with sin and they can feel the, the thrill of sin and pay no attention to the, the demands of God and the righteousness of God and the holiness of God if they don't, if they don't view that at all they're not walking with God There is no pleasure in sin when you're standing in the presence of God. Try it in front of your dad. Think of some deed that that you wouldn't want your dad to have known you did. Oh, it gets quiet in here. I know it does And And everybody just looks kind of straight ahead. It's like, don't make eye contact with him. But the truth is, you guys, our walk with God is more intimate than that. And that's what the spirit and presence of God wants us to walk as. So he said this here in 11. But every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishoneth her head. And who's her head? The man. Yeah. And who's the man's head? Jesus. And who's Christ's head? God. Okay. So what we realize, Karina, is that God set uh, an order for the things in the church. He said, for if the woman be not covered, let her be also shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God. The image and glory of God. And Everything that the Bible talks about glory is the success of God's work seen in something. The glory of God in the heavens is that you see how He works in the heavens. The glory of God in a man is that you see God did a work in the man. If you see a man that's walking tenderly and humbly before God, uh, dealing with with people as the issues and presence of God deals with them, you recognize that God is in the person. So he said this, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is in the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. So the church was supposed to be an implication of how well the ministry did. So the Bible tells us if a man builds hay, wood, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones, every man's work will be tried by fire. So it's way easier to build a ministry that you could just build overnight and it doesn't cost much and it's just all fluff and it's a, it, it doesn't have what Jesus did. When Jesus built His ministry, He went to prayer. And He prayed all night long. And He fasted. And He fasted 40 days. He stayed before God. He didn't run out and get the people to look at Him. In fact, that's what the devil offered Him. The devil offered Jesus, hey, I'll take you up on top. You want to, if you want to impress people, I'll, I'll, let me take you up on top of the temple. You throw yourself down and when people see that God picked you up, you couldn't hit the ground. Miracles will set your ministry on fire. That's baloney. He raised the dead. They said he was doing it because he was of the devil. <laughs> he opened the eyes of the blind. They said, "We know. Listen, we know this man is a sinner. Glorify God." The blind man said, "Well, this much I know. I was blind. He healed." Now, whether he be a sinner or not, I don't believe that that God here is a sinner. That enraged them. How dare you talk like that? So this is what we see about man being the head. If man's the head, we have the same calamity. But what happens is that it doesn't matter to to the church world about whether or not we follow the patterns of God. So women can be elevated to any place that, that their husband or some bunch of people want to elevate them to. And the truth is, you can carry on a ministry, you can bring the Gospel, you can, you can do great things. God moves through women greatly. But to assume a place of office, you guys, I think that's a tragedy in the body of Christ. I, I think it's a tragedy for a man to do it. If a man is a real apostle of God, you will know it because nobody will like him because he confronts all the falsehood.
1: And if he's a prophet,
0: he's likely to die young, even still today.
1: People hated
0: the prophets. So, the Bible said they hate the man that reproves in the gate. They hate it. So, what we're seeing is that, that men have turned this upside down because, want to see you guys today, we, we see all kinds of female ministries that they're married to a man who's very famous and writing books, and then she starts writing books, and she gets very famous, and people buy her books because of the name recognition of her husband. And it costs you a ton to go to their meetings just to get in. It's a free will offering. If you don't give your free will offering, you can't come in. You guys, we're uncomfortable about that, but that's what's going on in the world. So, men call their wife Her Highness, or whatever they call them, and, and the church accepts it. And you guys, the Bible just said, give honor to whom honor is due. Give honor to whom honor is due. So, w- when the Spirit of the Lord moves, when I was praying about having us do the song service, I prayed, God, would you have Rachel help me with the song service? If your wife is, is a great singer and you hear her singing in the car and you're thinking, wow, we should tap into that talent, but you need God to tell you yes or no. It's not about, hey, I think I'll appoint some people in the church and and what we'll do is I'll confer some titles on folk. Shame on us. We're title hungry. I, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather have somebody else find out that God moved in me than have some kind of title. If God don't move in you, people walk away and say, well, that was a dud. If the presence of God moves in you, He'll move in you. That's what you want. And you know what? People can forget you, but that movement and the spirit and presence of God stays with them the rest of their life. That's what you're after. So, a man shouldn't cover his head. He doesn't need the church over him. Pastors don't need the church over him. And there are, there are churches all over the world that can fire a pastor. They have a board of directors or a board of elders or something. But the church, which is the bride, can get rid of the husband. And they'll tell you that a man is over a woman, woman is over a man. But they'll let the church fire him. So, for the man is not of the woman, well, verse 4 or 7, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. So, neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. The woman was created for the man. That's a blessing, you guys. The world's trying to take the blessing in that away. I've got to tell you, it is a blessing. God did that in a wisdom that is so divine that you can see that it's worked down through the centuries. For this cause, verse 10, ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things are of God. Judging yourself, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it's a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Partly? What year was this?
1: He partly
0: believes it. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. The reason heresies come up, God lets heresy, lets lies come against the church so that those who are approved of God will stop it. So what's the approval of God on a ministry? That you preach a red hot message and everybody wants to buy the CD? No. 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 For there must also be heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. We need that manifested in the church. More than we need people getting blue ribbons for red hot sermons. So, it goes on down there, but but the whole thing is established by God. And men are just simply doing, Karina, what? The church has no wisdom to stop. And because nobody has any wisdom, people can make up stuff as they go along. So it would be like somebody making believe they were a pilot and going out and and getting a job with an airline and having the airline make them a captain of an airplane because they make all kinds of false credentials. And then the person would actually get on the plane and try to fly it? That would be stupid. But that's what we do in the body of Christ is that people self appoint a self-appointed apostle is not as, the same as a God-appointed apostle. It's not. And it won't ever be. And there's, there's all kinds of conflict on the earth because men are becoming more and more powerful within the Protestant denominations. And that's what's happened with the word apostles. What we're doing is making them what the bishops were and then the archbishops and then ultimately we have to have a pope because each level becomes more and more self-important and eventually you have to be more important than everybody else. So you have to find some man that's more important than every other man. There is no such thing as that. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And to displace Him by any supposition is a a falsehood. And it's what's brought us into confusion and division. God's not the author of confusion. And men say He is. But we don't agree because we don't know what the truth is. We don't know what the truth is because we left the Holy Ghost teacher that God said was given to us as the teacher. And he said, he's the spirit of truth. And that's what we need, is the spirit of truth. So, men are doing lots of things. Self-appointing. And once you self-appoint and find out that nobody challenges you, you might as well appoint your wife as something important. that she's way more important than everybody else in the church. And the thing is, when the phone rings and somebody wants to talk to Rachel, uh, the spirit of the Lord has to move on her to talk to people about the things that are going on. And I see results from it. But I don't appoint her some sort of title. Chief telephone answer of of the evening. She'll text you back quicker than I will. Amy, that's enough. Or was that Bobby? (coughs) Well, I am taking names. My memory isn't good, but I... So God has has a purpose in us. But you guys, it's just honestly... If you could honestly keep in view what happened to Jesus at the cross, how in the world would any, anything else creep up as important? I don't know. I can't imagine anybody paying that kind of price. And so, the church needs apostles to keep the truth in it. And it means that apostles confront prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. They confront them. Apostle Paul confronted the Apostle Peter. God didn't send some man to confront Peter. When those people came up and confronted the Apostles, and they said, hey, the Greeks take care of their widows. You guys don't take care of your widows. They said, well, we're going to appoint seven men. You You, appoint, you find seven faithful men and appoint them to take care of the widows. We're not going to leave prayer to take care of widows. So this idea that that we have to do all things to make everything look right and we have to take care of our widows as good as the Greeks did, here's our deal. You get me seven men, you find them, you appoint them to take care of the widows. I'm going to do what an apostle does. I'm going to stay in prayer because I need the the voice and the leading of God. And here's an apostle that wouldn't go to the Gentiles. He wouldn't go to the Gentiles. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Peter knew what that meant because he knew that the Gentiles were creatures. But he wasn't going to obey God in that thing. He was just going to keep dealing with the Jews because there was such an ingrained thought that they were superior to everybody else on earth. And so you guys, we've got to lose that. Here's a man who's an apostle of God and what God does is brings him to a place of surrender. What God did is just caught him one day and lowered a sheet down and said, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, Not so, Lord. God said, Don't call anything common and clean. that blessed. Three times he did that. We know the story really well. And then he told them, Now, Peter, listen. There's three men at the gate. You go with them. And don't you ask no questions. That's surrender to an apostle. He talked like that to an apostle. And when, when Paul talked to him like that, you know what Peter did? He surrendered to Paul. And Paul was a, a, a renegade, a thorn in the side of the church, a destroyer of the, of the body of Christ. And Peter knew of many people that this man had been the destroyer of, including Stephen. So when that man stood up and said, you're not doing right, Peter knew to surrender to the will of God. That's what an apostle would do. He understood the authority of God. He understood the voice of God. He knew the voice of God. And if God's telling him to, to stop what he's doing, he'll stop it right there on the spot. And you guys, that's what we want. So it isn't about I'm above you. Peter never pulled rank. He never pulled rank on Paul at all, and, and to have a woman use that title as a pulling rank over, over people in the church or some other church or or some group. You guys, we people do this because they want to elevate their own group and they want to put down every other group. And if you don't have female apostles, then we're way ahead of you guys. Well, you know what? It won't take two years and they'll have female apostles. They'll figure this thing out because nobody's going to confront the apostles because nobody knows what they should be or shouldn't be. What they teach in in Bible schools is that if you start two churches, you're an apostle. If you start two churches, you're an apostle. That is not an apostle. That's somebody who starts two churches. I I, I know a guy. I know a guy in Ghana who started 28 churches. 28, and he had to have. He wanted a bicycle to go to his churches because he didn't have. I said, we will get you a motorcycle. We bought a bunch of motorcycles. I said, we'll, we'll give you a motorcycle." He said, no, I can't have a motorcycle because I can't buy gas. He said, where I go? There is no gasoline. And he said, it takes me over a year to make a circle among these 28 churches. I stay and I preach and teach and lead them. And he said, then, then I go on to the next place and by the time I get there, those people are, are standing on the road yelling and crying for me, coming. said, I need a bicycle. Buy me a bicycle. So I can drive all over the... the the Volta region of Ghana. 28 churches. So, you guys, that's, that's, that's a different heart. And then he didn't call himself anything. He just, he just called himself, actually he called himself an evangelist. Mm-hmm. Then he got excited about teaching the Word of God. He became a teacher. Yeah. But he wasn't self-appointed. He really was teaching. Yeah.
1: So,
0: women are no different than men when it comes to, to self-aggrandizement. I'm better than other people. I'm greater than other people. I've got something they don't have. And you guys, that isn't what God wanted. It's never what He wanted. He told the disciples, hey, you want to be greatest in the kingdom of God? Be the servant. Be the servant of everybody. So you'll, you'll get your name down in heaven's book. You won't, People won't all be saying, oh, that was the mighty. Wasn't that the mighty? What was? Man, that was mighty. What did you think of Him? It's like, oh, Man, I've met some men of God. I've been in some places where God Himself spoke like thunder. So I know what God does. Well, Colin came to our tent, and we set the tent up in, in at the mouth of the uh, Big Thompson Canyon. It was the last place, and God told me to, to put that tent up there in, in Loveland. I went up there. I couldn't find a place to put the tent up, and I was driving up The Big Thompson Canyon. There's a big dude ranch there, Sylvan Dude Ranch. I said, ask them to stop and ask them to to dig up land they'll you use. And I drove in there. I asked one of the cowboys. I said, hey, I want to talk to somebody about using some land. They said, what do you want it for? I said, well, I'm I'm a preacher and I have a gospel tent. They said, well, then you'd have to talk to Mr. Sylvan himself. I said, all right. And the old guy comes driving up in an old pickup. He said, that's him there. I just want to talk to him. I said, I know, uh, I need. a piece of ground, like it said, a gospel tent up along the highway. And he said, when? I told him the dates. He said, sure. He said, I'll send some cowboys down there because we weren't very far away from doing it. He said, I'll send some cowboys down there and clean it up. Wow. I said, well, how much would you want? He said, oh, I wouldn't want anything for
1: it. Well, wow. the God. highway.
0: Wow. Ronald Cohen, that, that had a glass eye. We, we asked, would you come? He said, sure, I'll, I'll do a couple of nights. Man, he came under that tent showed people that God opened, gave Him sight where there was not even an eye. D. Shannon Sanders, one of the uh, old men of the, of the Gospel in Denver. God a lot of came out and guys, we had a reviving revival. <laughs> I, 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 it started out with God telling me to go to the camp at Glenhaven when I was over here at Silver Lake. Some kid told me, he said, you, you, you're going out to Love him? I said, yeah. He said, man, you need to go to... there's a camp at Glenhaven. And he said, I used to go to church in Denver. And he said, some people have a camp. And I, and I knew who it was. I said, you're not talking about Brother and Sister Sandys." He said, yes, I am. He said, I, said, I didn't know they still had the camp. He said, oh, they, they, in fact, while you're there, they're going to have their, their Pentecostal uh, meeting. People come from all the United States to their camp. Wow. He said, you need to go talk to them. And, and I went out there, and when I was in the middle of meetings, I just didn't go nowhere, no, you guys. Yeah. And, and the revenue agent was helping me set the tent up and do a whole bunch of stuff. And his name was Jerry Copley. And Jerry came by and said, Brother Reisley, he said, "I want you to go with me someplace tomorrow." I said, "Oh, Jerry, I you know what? I spend time in prayer." He said, "Well, he said, I want you to go with me." He said, "There's a camp up here above Glenhaven."
1: Wow.
0: I knew I should go because God told me in Silver Lake I should go. Then he sent a Colorado revenue agent to pick me up in a car and take me up there. Now you'd have to be brain, brain dead to not figure out what God was doing. <laughs> and we went up to Estes Park to my friend Bill Rudels. Bible bookstore. He Jerry had to talk to Bill. While I was in there, I I opened up a book of of, uh, Watchman Nee and I opened up to to the third chapter of Exodus where God spoke to Moses and said, I've heard the cry of my people and I'm going to send you to bring my people out of religious confusion, out of religious bondage. Because Egypt was religion. And God said, I'm I'm just going to take you out of that stuff. And so, man, I read that stuff and it really touched my heart. I, I shut that book and Jerry and I went down and, and on our way up, we stopped at the camp and, and Sister Sanders was cleaning the latrine. Here's a Pentecostal woman, her, and her husband owned the camp and she's cleaning out the outhouse. And Jerry drove up out there and he said, uh, Sister Sanders. And then she came out of the outhouse. She looked at him, called him by name, Jerry. And I said, Sister Sanders, I'm sure you don't remember me. She said, you're Art Rice, please son. You guys, I haven't seen her since I was about eight or nine years old. She said, you're Art Rice, please, son. I said, no.
1: <laughs> Wrong again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she, she just stood and looked at me. you heard me tell this testimony hundreds of times. She just looked up and she said, we're going to start our camp this afternoon and the first service will be at 2 o'clock. She said, brother, I say, can you come back? I said, I'm riding with Jerry. Jerry said, Sister Sanders, if you want him here at 2 o'clock, I'll bring him back. She got up in the pulpit and she opened up, she said, gave me a word when I saw you outside your car. She said, I want you to open up your Bible to Exodus chapter 3. She read me those same three verses. Because you guys, God's people are held in religious bondage. And what God did is He sent Moses and said, let my son go. Amen. Let my son go. Because Jesus, this body of Christ is scattered throughout all these denominations and all this churching stuff. And it's divided and, and scattered. It. And God brought a man under divine appointment to bring him out of that. And that's what God told me I would do, is teach people. That's why He said, don't put the name on this place. This is a Bible school. I want you to teach people the truth so that they can bring people out of all the religious confusion. Let the Holy Ghost lead you. Let the Holy Ghost teach you. Let the Holy Ghost bring people to your church. Yep. And you guys, in over 30 years, we haven't had a name on this place. We didn't have time for church. We, we never told anybody anything, but it fills up every time we have church. Yeah because God does what He promised me to do. So that's what you want. You want that divine appointment. But if God said that He was raising up ministries like Moses, I would want to be like that. You would want to be like that. But the thing is, you can't be appointed by man. You've got to be drawn out of the water. And you have to have a divine appointment. Yes? Yes. So Moses never built bricks. He never built bricks. You guys, religion wants you to build bricks and make... Yourself self-welcome in the church. God wants a church that follows Him. And what Moses did is came and got them out of that religious confusion, brought them out in the wilderness and built the tabernacle where they had fellowship with God. And that's what you want. That's what I want. I want God to get these things done in me and in you. And He knows how to do it if we'll let Him do it. So the Spirit of God knows how to bring these things to a fullness. But to self-appoint and do all these things, you guys... It's a waste of energy. What I want, I want God with us. I want Emmanuel in this place. If, if God's in this place, why would we need to name anybody anything? Because our job isn't to, to glorify the flesh, our job is to glorify Him. I want God exalted. I want, the, I want the truth exalted. And I believe there's such a thing as absolute truth. I believe that He will tell us truth because He has it. And Paul said, I have a truth so true that if I come back later on, and, and tell you something different than I told you, let me be accursed. And he said, let me tell you something else. If an angel from heaven comes and tells you different than what I tell you. You guys, this isn't the way Bible schools talk. They say, well, there's such confusion. Nobody knows what's right. Paul said, what God gave me is absolute right. Here it is written down. You stick with this. You stay with this. You study this. And you let the Spirit of God bring it alive inside of you and you'll know what it is God's saying. We don't do that. Because men want to build their own little kingdoms. They want to start their own little hamburger stands. Flat, square, round, doubly. Fries, clumps, crisps, cheese. We want to just do it anyway. They'll tell people, hey, are you tired of that other hamburger? Come and eat ours. Ours are square. If you've never had a square hamburger, you don't know what square tastes like. What the church does that. So we want the Spirit, we got to do that. Okay, that's a great question. Did we get anywhere near the answer? Yeah, I just belabored the point because I wanted to... I believe God's doing those things in us, you guys. Okay, another question. Maybe.
1: Still in Corinthians, chapter 9. 1 Corinthians... Yeah, chapter 9. I'm almost back there. Uh, verse 22... He talks about uh, right in there. He, he talks about being all things to all men. I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit, because I know he's obviously not talking about being like the world. but just what he uh, what he means. He, he talks about to the weak, I became as weak that I might gain the weak. Sure. Um, I made all things to all men that I might, by all means, save some. Sure, sure. Uh,
0: let's go a little bit uh well, we don't have to go very far uh, verse sixteen nine sixteen for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of
1: hmm.
0: And I really truly was hoping that I could glory at how how great I did this preaching, or how big my church turned out, or, or how many followers I got, or, or how many people love me. But though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Well, he said, I, I'd be afraid to. I'd be afraid to waste a day as so though I wasn't called to preach the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. If I do it willingly, I have a reward. Wow, that's a great thing, you guys. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, I have a dispensation of the gospel committed unto me. If I don't do it willingly, I am still going to do it. God committed it to me. And he knows how to get me to the right place. Paul kept going back to Jerusalem. And the last time he was there, they beat him nearly to death. And it took soldiers to extract his body being ripped apart from the crowds. And he learned a little bit about not going back that direction anymore. You know? What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. That I've used not my power in the gospel i I don't charge for it i i don't i don't I don't make God pay me anything i don't I don't make God give me rewards to preach the gospel. I just preach the gospel I'm just glad to preach the gospel and I do it because I don't want the the word of God to be charged that I abuse not my power in the gospel for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant of all. If I know I'm free from all men, then I can be servant of all men. If I if I don't believe I'm free of all men, you guys, there will be people that will tell you that that you're going to do a specific thing, or they're going to withdraw their help, or their offerings, or their blessings on your ministry. I had somebody tell me that I needed to get rid of a man in this church. They said he's too unclean. In fact, the man sent his son to tell me to get rid of this man and his wife. Their children. I said, you, I said, first of all, shame on your dad. Secondly, you tell your dad that this is a hospital. And I know those people are sick. It doesn't bother me that they're sick. God brought them here to get them well. Amen. And if they got things in their life that your dad don't like, God don't like it. God can get it out. But I'm not going to get rid of them out of the church because if God wants them out, He'll take them out. Jesus said, let the tares grow with the wheat. You let the tares grow with the wheat. don't Don't root up the tares. So, Paul said, here's where I'm at. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. So, the relationship I had with that man, I had a relationship with him and he kept telling me things that he wanted me to do. But I know I was free from him, no, and he threatened me. To he said, "Now, you know, I I know that we give large offerings." He had a business. He said, "You know, you you have to consider that." I don't have to consider that. Yeah. He misunderstood me,
1: yeah.
0: I, and he withheld his offerings. It didn't bother me at all because the thing is, God sends what He sends. Yeah. God knows how to get the the abundance. He knows how to bring in what it is that we need. That's why I set a box in the hall. He told me, don't take an offering. Don't make people uh, feel obligated to put money in while everybody watches to see if they do. Just put a box in the hall and and I'll bless it. If you're doing my work, then I'll tell them what to do because I'm the one that sends your pay. And if it it doesn't have enough in it, ask me why. You come ask me why. Don't tell everybody that they need to give more. You come ask me why. So then he said this. And you guys, I I, I don't remember the last time I Took an offering. But I know that, that we work together to get these things done. This is what Paul said. But that, that man quit coming to church because I, I was free of him. And yet, he he needed somebody to work for him. He needed someone to run some errands one day. And I, I said, well, I'll run the errands for you. He's in a jam. I ran the errands for him. And he, he put me on the clock. He told me to go out to Hope. And they were building a, a building out there. And I delivered the stuff out there. And the guy said... uh Blah blah blah. Told me that you would arrive, and this is what he wants you to do. <laughs>
1: wow. I said that
0: I would do. He said, "Uh huh." Wow. I said, "For how long?" He said, "Well, till the rest of the day is over." <laughs> I said, "Okay." I think he's confused. I didn't. I didn't. I need. I don't need a job. I got a job. Yeah. He said, "Well, he said you would work, so I just work." But I was free of Him because I knew that tomorrow we'd get that thing all straightened out.
1: <laughs>
0: because it just was a mistake. You get, you get what I'm saying? But see, if I, if I was under Him, if I believed that He could tell me what to do, then how would I be His servant? Because He could get me to do anything He told me to do and I'd, I would obey Him. Not what God does. I'm just telling you, it's not what God does. Paul said, listen, I'm free of all men so I can be servant of all men. So... And he said this, that I might gain the more. And under the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. So how he dealt with the Jews, you guys, he understood what would offend them. When I was at Outward Bound and, and there was a Jewish guy in my, in, in my squad, and so every night these guys would ask me to read something out of the Bible. And uh, life is boring in the high Colorado Rockies <laughs> after dark. <laughs> You sat around the campfire, there wasn't much to eat, you know, and then they'd say, well, hey, would you read something out of the Bible? I said, sure. And you guys, I always read something from the Old Testament, something from the book of Psalms. Because this Jewish guy was there, and I knew I could talk about salvation's message from the Old Testament. And and one night he said, you know, you keep reading from our books.
1: I said, you're pretty
0: lavish with your ownership. (laughs) I'm reading from my (laughs) books. I said, or actually they're our books, aren't they? So, but you guys, the thing is, it wasn't that I was becoming Jewish and I wanted to wear a scarf and have those little hair things, although I do think they look cute on some guys. It isn't what I wanted to do. And I didn't want people to know I'm a Jew. I am Jewish. And if people are impressed with Jewish people, they ought to be impressed with you and me. Because the Bible said he is not a Jew that's one outwardly, but he is a Jew that's one inwardly. And circumcision is not that which is outward in the flesh, but inward in the heart. So knows how to circumcise our heart, doesn't he? He's the Father. And if you don't know the joy of circumcision, you don't know joy.
1: So he said this,
0: To them that are under the law, as under the law. You guys, you'll encounter people that are in the, uh, as long as I was in Arkansas, I never uh, preached in a short sleeve shirt. Because yeah. those people didn't believe that you could preach in a short sleeve shirt. They believed you had to wear long sleeve shirts. And wore long sleeve shirts. So as long as they did that, I always wore a long sleeve shirt. I wouldn't, I, I just didn't want to offend them. I was free. I didn't have to preach in a long sleeve shirt. But when I was in Africa, the men preached in suits. Yeah. So I suited up, hundred degrees. Man. So then he said this To them that are under the law is under the law that I might gain them that are under the law. So what he was saying is, I want to touch you where you're at and bring you where I am. So God, who was was invisible and omnipotent and omnipresent, emptied himself of all of that and, and came into just a body. So that you and I could encounter him as a man. And seeing him as a man, we would find out what his disposition was. What his real heart was. What You know, if, if you could meet somebody and spend time with them, you'd get to know what they really are. So, so God knew we had a wrong idea about God. God is just this merciless uh, deity that when you messed up, he sent you to hell. And the truth is, he's a God of judgment. And you guys, He doesn't judge us unless He knows that we need consequence for our actions. Because if I disobey God, if I'm disobedient disobedient to Him, I am destroying my spirit man. I destroy my spirit man. And you guys, you can be born of the Spirit and end up being the prodigal son. I don't care what the doctrines of men teach. Jesus taught that the prodigal son was dead. And his dad didn't send out and get him. As long as he wanted to live in the filth of the world, his dad left him there. As long as he wanted to spend his inheritance, which is this righteous reward from God, he wanted to waste it on the fleshly, filthy world. And his father left him out there. And he could have sent somebody to go out and get him and bring him back, and he did not do it. He didn't send anybody to check on him. He just left him out there. You want to, that's your choice, my son. My son. I am home grieving myself every single day for your decisions. But I will not come and get you. I will not condone your actions. You make up your mind. The day you want to come home, come home. You don't want to surrender and obey God and come home, stay where you're at. I don't want to watch you eat the pig husks. I don't want, you, I don't want to watch you self-destruct. So the church needs that kind of attitude. God's that, got that kind of attitude. But Jesus came and He talked about the prodigal son. So he, he told everybody, he said, look, I am going to go the extra mile with you and for you. But when the rich young ruler came to him and said, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. He said, I've kept the commandments. He said, then go home and sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't do it. And Jesus didn't turn around and say, OK, I'll, OK, let me just prophesy over you. You're going to have a great ministry. Okay. Yeah. You're just going to. In fact, you might be an apostle. Who knows? You might be an apostle. Come back. Okay, and I won't... You don't have to sell everything. Because obviously that was too harsh. I was too, too bold to tell you what you shouldn't do. And what Jesus did. And what He made you and me understand is here's the deal. There's a narrow road. And few there be that find it. I wish everybody could fall into heaven. I wish everybody could fall into heaven. But the Bible said hell hath enlarged itself. Hell hath enlarged itself. And so there's a righteousness and a, and a gaining of heaven and there's a wickedness and a going to hell and it's a choice. And if you make the choice you're going to hell, you get to make that choice. And what happens is long before you drop into hell, you're so grieved about who you are, you can't face Christians. You get so grieved about what you are and what you've become, you can't face yourself. Your mind becomes vexed. Your spirit becomes tormented. You feel like everything in you is falling apart and nothing has any good in it at all. And when you get to that place, you need to do real business with God. That's what the Spirit of God is doing is He's knocking on the door of your heart. Jesus knocked on the door of the church, and we talk about that all the time. And He said, I'm knocking on the door. Whosoever will open up, I'll come in to you. He wasn't, ch- he wasn't knocking on a sinner's heart. He was knocking on the church door. And His own people had locked Him out. So if that's the case, how, how far back is it if people choose the world? You guys, you and I have to make choices. That's what, that's what obedience is. So Paul said, when I'm around people that are captured by this thought, I am careful to let them see that I am respectful of God and His entity, in His power, and His glory. And what I want you to see is that I'm not here to make a confrontation that drives you into a, into a decision prematurely. I can drive you into a premature Decision, You guys, that's what great sales, salesmen do. Many a person has bought a timeshare. Bought a timeshare. At some place they won't visit again. Because they decided they would actually own a piece of a building for one week out of the year. And that they would let 52 other weeks go by and people would tear their little place up. But they own it. At least for one week. And it costs more than they could... If they spent... Money to stay at the, at the local Hilton Doubletree. Exactly. Right. With everything included. If you run the, the $8,000 or $10,000 plus the, the monthly maintenance fees and the upkeep fees and the things that keep the place up so people can come in and trash it. You guys, that's why, that's why there are so many places that buy timeshares back. Yeah.
1: Wow.
0: So Paul said, listen, I'm not that kind of salesman. I'm not going to catch you and tell you, hey, look, how would you like to own a piece of the pie? And it's going to to cost you. But I can get you to the place that you believe you want that piece of pie so bad you would pay for it. You guys, that isn't the kind of relationship God wants with His people. He doesn't want a high-pressure salesman to to torment people out of the stuff. And you guys, I've met people that were Jewish and talked to them about the things of God. And the Spirit and presence of God did genuine things in their life. I've dealt with people who were Islamic. Who were Islamic and hated Christians and hated white people even worse. And I've seen God bring them to Him. And you guys, it, it's a dangerous thing to proselyte Muslims. It, it, Sharia law forbids it. And in Nigeria, it's forbidden. When you come into Nigeria, they tell you, you will be prosecuted. You will, your country, your embassy will not help you out of this thing because it's, it is a uh, capital offense. You proselyte Muslims in this country and you will die before you go back to your country. Your country won't help you. Your lawyers won't help you. So don't proselyte Muslims. And God wants to proselyte Muslims. He wants to win them to Christ. Honestly, they changed the mosque in Kumasi, Ghana, West Africa. They changed the mosque. And the man who was there gave his life to Jesus Christ who was over the whole thing. And he left it just like it was. He left his little half moon thing on the top. They didn't do their prayer stuff, but Muslims would come into his mosque and realize it was a Christian church. And he, just, and he said, I just left it on the outside. He said, it looks, it looks the same. Come on by. So, so God will do that. And a whole bunch of people came to Christ with him because God's that kind of God. There is no religion more powerful than God. I don't care how militant people are. You guys, sinners can be militant. Sinners can be very militant. But when you're fighting against God, you're you're losing the battle of your soul. So Paul said, to them that are without the law as without the law. So you guys, how many times have you sat down with somebody that you knew was, was lawless? You guys, I've sat down with lots of people that were lawless. And what I'm bringing them to is the conclusion about what righteous living does. I want them to see it in me. I want the Spirit and presence of God to convict them. You guys, I can't remember sitting 10 or 15 minutes with somebody that the Spirit and presence of God didn't begin to convict them. When I sit with somebody and the convicting power of God don't convict them, their time is not ready. I'm just being honest with you. Because when, when a person is ready to receive God, the convicting power and presence of God, it isn't 15, 20 minutes and they're crying. Spirit of the Lord, come down on them. They want what you've got. They want what you've got. And you guys, when a person really surrenders, you know what happens in their life? They give their life to Christ. And then God begins to use their life. God begins to use their life. And that's what you want God to do in your life. Jason had to confront his boss. They were, they, they would, he receives stuff. And he's a, he's a receiving agent or something. I don't understand exactly what his job is. And if it's different than this, he can tell you, but not in front of me.
1: <laughs> but the thing is,
0: stuff would be sent to the company and it wouldn't be uh, covered by an invoice. And so it would be a wrong shipment and there would be a lot of stuff there, extra. And, and they just had been writing it off as though, yes, we, we received this. Yes, we paid for it. Yeah, we, we, we know about it. And the truth was, they were just taking stuff that people inadvertently shipped. And so he just felt like, no, God told him, well, you know, really, we can't do that. So he just, he just talked to the boss and said, you know, and the boss was, was honestly talking about, well, you know, what would be wrong with it? He said, well, because we're an honorable business. And to do it the right way would be to tell people we do it the right way. Then they they'd know they would trust us. Yeah. See, does that sound right? Yeah. So and what happened to him is he, he became a Christian. And if you look for evidence, he began to bring forth fruit where? At work. It just was, it was just, well, it's necessary to do this. You guys, that's, when, you, when, when the Spirit and presence of God touches somebody, they start dealing with issues as righteousness right where they're at. So here he is in the place, and he's not becoming uh, like those people, but he's talking about what they could be that would be better than what they are descending into. And this this righteous confrontation confronts the job. That's what God does. That's how you know that you're a Christian. Carmen got a job. God did great work in her life. She gets a job and she's underpaid. That's why I give her a baby set for me. Thank you, Carmen. She said, "I, I, I know it's underpaid. She knows what it's worth. She told me, but I believe God has me there for the woman the woman. Then he's, she sends uh, Zania along. She goes to work for the woman. This woman is being double teamed by people who walk with God. Yes? And the peace of God has come to her home. This woman knows the peace of God is on that woman. She knows that these women have the peace of God. When they were going to spend Thanksgiving somewhere, you guys, they came to where we were brought their whole family. And you guys, that's a precious thing because this is, this is what happens when you're a believer. It, it isn't that you get up one morning and say, I've got to go out and do a bunch of stuff. It is that you get up in the morning and you think, man, i got an underpaid job, but I believe God wants me to work at the moment. Yeah. So see, what happens is that I become what it is to that woman. So she needs me in that place. And you guys, that's the fruit of the Spirit. It brings forth life in you. And that's what you want, is to have the Spirit and presence of God do those things in you. So... Verse 21 said to them that are without the law, as without the law. Now listen to what he says here. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. I'm not without law, but I'm under Christ. So I understand what His law is. I understand what His liberty is. I understand what He's done. And so I'm living that kind of life. To the weak became I as weak. And you guys, the thing is, if I can empathize with somebody, if I understand what somebody's going through, it's very easy to tell somebody, wow, you need to quit doing that. You know, we don't do much on the Christmas decoration things because Christmas trees are pagan. But the thing is, what happens is, people will come to church here and someone will tell them, you can't do a Christmas tree. And I don't ever tell anybody you can't do a Christmas tree. You could set up a Christmas tree. You're going to come to my house and say, how come you don't have a Christmas tree? And I'm going to tell you because I'm Scrooge.
1: Because I'm mean to my family. And when my
0: children like little sparkly lights, I tell them, no. But the thing is, you guys, you see, there's something about leadership that says, I make a choice. But you have to come to a place that you recognize, you know what, there are traditions that we have and there is a sense of of the the beauty of what we grew up in that oftentimes has such a nostalgic effect to us, we kinda cling to it, even if it's a pagan god. Mm-hmm. And so when you bring your presence in and land at the foot of it, you go, oops and you don't because you realize, Well, wow, that looked a little too much like I'm bringing a gift to an idol
1: uh-huh. I just want to say that so. I'm not without law to God. <laughs>
0: but the thing is, the priests, of god we're, we're a royal priesthood.
1: And the priests of
0: God should not, they should not associate themselves with Buddhists. I, I don't rub the turquoise big fat guy in a Chinese restaurant for blessings. I don't. Yeah, I'm just there to eat Chinese food. I ignore him. I pretend they don't exist. The thing is, you guys, what happens is, but I don't make a great big fight either. I don't, I don't take my leftovers and dump them on the Buddha's as I go out the <laughs> door. So, but you can see, and then we, we laugh, but the thing is, you can understand what Paul is saying here. I encounter a lot of things that I, I'm temporal in my approach to how I deal with those issues because, in all honesty, I'm not the judge of the whole earth. I want the Spirit of God to reign in me. And I want to impact people's lives in a positive way. But, if there's something that is destructive, I know that it will bring destruction. I was at a local restaurant, this is the truth, and they had brought in a big Buddha. And they had brought out a newspaper article in Lawrence that they were celebrating Buddha because he is the giver of wealth or something. I don't know what he gives, but anyway. So, and you guys, I've been in that restaurant over and over and over and over and over and my peace just lifted i've never been back i've never been back and in fact when i when i left i said god i'm I'm praying take your blessings away from this place a woman that was there was a buddhist and she gave her life to christ she came and asked me about my christianity she came to the table one day she said you know you guys are in here all the time and she said there's something so different about you she said i've met a lot of people and i know you're christians But she said, I don't know anything about Christ or Christianity. And so we began to talk to her. Her name was Joyce, Joy. And so we began to talk to Joy about the Lord. Well, about a year later, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so just before she died, she was truly emaciated, but she was still working at the restaurant. She was part of the ownership of it. And she came out and and she talked to us. And she said, I've been baptized. I'm a Christian. She went from being... not knowing anything about God, to seeing God, then being curious about God, then asking questions about God, and then being entreated by God, and then giving herself over to God, and then glad she was born again. That's a transforming thing. And you guys, I didn't go in there to transform all the people, but several people there gave their life to Christ. But you guys, when it became defiant against Christ... We left. I just didn't go back. I didn't announce to the church, we don't eat there anymore. No. I just I just didn't go back. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like God could deal with the issue. And, then, and the restaurant actually closed. It, it's a different restaurant now. Mm-hmm. But you guys, the thing is, what we want is to have this sense of being able to deal with kids. When I was working in the general ministry in Colorado, I went to the uh, Lookout Mountain School for Boys. is was all like white cats. And I was in there talking to these boys and this kid came in and he sat down and He said, I believe Jesus was black. I said, so do I. He said, but I don't believe he was white. I said, well, here's what I believe. He came to live in me. If I'm white, he lives in me. He's white and he's glad he's white. If he lives in you and he's black, he's glad he's black. If he lives in you and you're Latino, he's glad he's Latino. He's not ashamed of what you are. He made you. But but what he is, is a many-membered body. And it's way different than some superior idea of what he looked like because I've seen a lot of pictures of him looking actually really quite handsome and the Bible said there was no beauty that we desire And they make him look a little bit Jewish in some paintings so that because you know, they know he's Jewish. But the thing is he was God. And when he was talking to the men walking down the road to Emmaus, they didn't know who that body was. He was in a different body. And when Mary encountered him, she thought he was the gardener And I've got to tell you, Mary knew Jesus from the gardener, but she didn't recognize him until he spoke. that's because my sheep know my voice. So he was just telling people, quit looking at that single body. It was mutilated, and I've left it. Now, I've moved on from that. You guys, I wouldn't want him to live in a mutilated body. I I don't intend to have you see me in this body. (laughs) As much as it's really, really nice. (laughs) But I want a different body. I want a different body. So the thing is, you guys, that's the glory of what God does to us. So Bobby, what he's saying here is, when that kid was talking to me, I could tell that he wanted to fight about Christian religion being a white guy's religion. And I recognized, hey, I'll talk with you. I'm not against... And, and I've had lots of people talk mean to me because i talk taught confrontational things to pastors. And I realized, well, I've, I've talked to you rough about what you have believed... Now, you can talk rough to me about what you believe back. How's that? That's just you and me taking the Word of God and letting the Word of God settle the issues. I'm not afraid of that. Well, You're not afraid of that. So, I, I can live among people that are very poor and uh, it doesn't, I don't try to look like I'm super wealthy. I can live among people that are wealthy and I don't try to act like I'm super poor. When I moved up here from Arkansas, I had a really old car because I had no money and uh, people thought that i drove it because i was a christian and christians should have old cars and that my idea was you should drive a really old car because they 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 knew that there were there were some times that i didn't have a, a spare tire and i come up and have meetings and somebody was putting some stuff in my trunk they said hey where's your spare tire i said well, i don't have a spare tire it's on the car
1: <laughs>
0: why waste the spare in the trunk when you can drive tread off <laughs> really on the ground <laughs> So they thought I had this kind of Christianity that just wanted to stay at that level. And and when I got here, I got a job at a sorority cleaning uh, a sorority. And so I I could buy a newer car. And I showed up in a new car, and everybody, everybody was looking at me like... So, what happened to the old I drive junk? I said, well, you know driving junk from one place to another on a long distance in bitter cold, it seems dangerous to me. I said, I know God protected me, but I really always kind of wanted a newer car.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, but I I, I
0: drove old cars around old people and drove new cars around new people. (laughs) I try to become all things yeah. to all. But but the, but the sense of it is, I, I'm not I'm not pretending I'm something, sure. but I am. The Bible said, "Condescend to the man of low degree." But yeah. let, let your talk be like that. I, I, I want that. I I went and talked to some people in McCook, Nebraska, who were um, Down syndrome, and they had a special workshop for these people, mm-hmm. and so I went in and talked to them. And they wanted me to come in and talk to them about street safety and crossing streets and all kinds of stuff. And we had such a great time that the people that ran the place said, we'd like to have this policeman come back. And what the, what the chief of police told me was that they said that you talk just like them. You act like you're their age. I said, I am.
1: I am their age. He
0: said, but they said, you had a really great time. I said, of course I had a great time. Because they were like friends to me. And they, they could sense right away that I was friendly to them. And so I talked about the stuff they talked about, and we had a great time, because they, they decided to tattle on each other.
1: <laughs>
0: and so I encouraged the tattling. I said, well, that's interesting. Does anybody else have something they'd like to say? And the, and the lady that ran the place is, is wanting to stop the meeting now. It's like, And of course, everybody could see me saying, yeah, and they could see her going, and so they just they're talk and tattle stuff. It's great stuff. But you guys, if I go there and I act like I am way, way more sophisticated than that, to talk to, to those kids that are down the center, I, I miss the point. Because to have them go away saying, wow, I like that guy. I wish he could come back. That's what you want with people in life. You'd like to have people, when you leave, say to you, well, oh, you know, come back. Don't, don't stay away. The governor told me that. Well, Mac told me that. And I love that guy. And uh, we went up there. He had a, a meeting with Benjamin. And when we were leaving, it, he sent his secretary out. She said, you don't know, no, you're, you're like family here. Please, please come back anytime. Aww. And so I said, all right, all right. But you guys, but I still act like I'm not the governor's
1: friend. Thank you, Beth. <laughs>
0: so, but once he goes to Washington, we'll see how this pans out. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: but, it, but God wants us to do these things, you guys, in a way that, that is honestly at the level of other people. Jesus lived that way and walked that way and talked that way. Yes. And when the devil was messing with him, he realized he could have just simply sucked the air out of his lungs because he was an angel, right? He was a created angel. He could have just sucked it out and he just would have died. His eyes would have imploded. What fun would that have been? And the devil's messing with him for 40 days. Am I right?
1: Yeah.
0: And he let him.
1: Yeah.
0: Because he knew God was doing something to his flesh that his flesh needed to come through that way because you go through it that way. And so he surrendered to those things and that's what's precious about what God does. He does those precious things. So Alright. 9.15. Two questions. That wasn't too bad. So, all right, then, Lord willing, we shall gather here Friday for prayer, right? Lord bless you guys, go in peace, and we will see you Friday night, 7 o'clock.